Hey there, boss. This is Jeff Mendelson, host of the One Big Tip podcast. And I am so excited to announce my new Agents of Pod coaching program, where I teach you how to fast track your lead gen by having more conversations with your targeted clients, even if you have no list, audience, or paid ads. Head on over to agentsofpod.com slash hero, and let me show you how to be the superhero in your own business. I am also actively seeking guests for this podcast. If you know someone who is currently six figures or more in their business and they have an actionable, tangible, and measurable tip to share, please let them know about it. Just go to onebigtip.com slash guest for information on how to be a guest. I can't wait to hear from you. Let's get started. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. My name is Jeff Mendelson, and this is the One Big Tip Podcast. My guest today is Valerie Hayes, a fractional COO and EOS integrator. She is on a mission to help overburdened entrepreneurs, small business owners, and CEOs establish their businesses as industry leaders without working 24-7, 365 days a year. She is here to give us some actionable insights on how you can balance your day-to-day operations with implementing ideas to grow your business uncover the roadblocks, identify the root causes, and smooth out the friction points. Valerie will amplify the strengths of your business, diagnose problematic solutions, and break through the bottlenecks. It's going to be an excellent conversation today. Valerie, thank you so much for joining me, and welcome to the show. Thanks, Jeff. I'm super excited to be here. I I know that you're like a legend in business podcasting, so I really appreciate the invitation to join you. This is going to be amazing today. Tell us a little bit about who you are, where you came from, and how you became so awesome. Well, let's see. I I think that depends on if you ask my kids or my husband, right? Let's just ask the dogs because they'll probably give a better answer for why I'm awesome. But I think it's because um, I started with essentially nothing out of college. I put myself through college, had absolutely nothing, built a successful career in corporate America. I worked for three Fortune 500 companies. Then I started my own business. And in the process of, of running my own business, I kept meeting people who had great ideas and were really nice people were working very hard, but they didn't know how to run their business well. And that was what was actually holding back their business. And so I decided to um, take my skills as a business owner and help other people run their business well, because if you don't run your business well, if you don't integrate all aspects of the business to one cohesive moving forward entity, you're not going to be successful. There's just no way you can do it. You know, what's interesting about what you're talking about is, you know, really helping businesses put, you know, like put it together. Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like I'm endlessly fascinated by that. I worked with a um, with an online business manager that really um, that really got me into religion about standard operating procedures, SOPs, and just really trying to figure out, like, how to run your business so that you can go on a cruise. So that you can go, you know, take a vacation so that you can turn off that damn cell phone anytime you want. Like one of the things that, that fascinated me about, uh, about researching you initially was that a lot of people in our industry fashion themselves as fractional CMOs, chief marketing mm-hmm. officers, right? And, right. you know, you, you are kind of breaking that trend. Like you're not really focusing on the marketing part. You're focusing more on the operations. Hence the COO model instead of the CMO. 
talk to me a little bit about, you know, like what are the differences between those two roles and how you're able to differentiate and make that, uh, make that really interesting for your, uh, you know, for your clients? Well, a CMO is a really important job. Obviously, it's a chief marketing officer, and they're going to have responsibility for all of the marketing activities of the business, identifying the strategy, identifying resources, what's our overall goal, how are we going to move forward? And they may or may not also have uh, responsibilities for the sales organization as well. The challenge is A lot of business owners just focus on sales and marketing, especially entrepreneurs and small business owners, because they feel like their greatest opportunity for growth comes from increased sales and marketing. And increased sales and marketing is good, obviously. But the challenge is if you don't make running your business your number one priority, running your business well, your number priority, and your number one priority is increasing sales and marketing, you're going to have a couple of things happen. You're going to have sales increase and you might in fact reach the goal that you're trying to get at. But if your sales continue to grow without nurturing and developing the infrastructure necessary to support those sales, what's going to happen is you're either going to plateau at a level that you can support and you're never going to go any higher, or you're going to achieve those higher level goals and then you're going to implode and fall back and you know, won't know what happened. And it's because you don't have the people in place. You don't have the right people in the right jobs. You don't have the right processes and procedures. And it's important to understand processes and procedures that are documented are great, right? We those That's the gold standard. But you don't have to have everything documented and in a manual as long as people know what they're supposed to do, when they're supposed to do it, and, and who's responsible for taking it forward from that point. So, As a COO, the major functions of the business report into a COO in a full-time job in a full-time business, and that's the same for a fractional COO. A fractional COO works a fraction of the time, meaning that I work as a part-time COO with growing businesses and organizations that are growing rapidly. They need the experience and background of a COO and that that sort of seasoned business uh, been there, done that kind of thing um, that they can bring to the table. They need a COO, but they don't have a need for a full-time COO and they don't want to pay that full-time salary. So you get the benefits of the experience and knowledge necessary to move your business forward, but you don't have the downside of the big executive salary. Excellent explanation. Thank you so much for, you know, for tackling that. One of the things I found when I first started putting together my, uh, my SOPs was that there was a delicate balance between the, the brevity or the detail of what I put into each procedure that needed to happen. And then, uh, matching that operation towards the right person who would be able to deliver on that. And what I found was it was this, it was this interesting scale of if you put too much detail into an SOP, you end up getting a robot, right? Mm-hmm. And if you end up hiring someone who is a robot and, you know, you tell them to do one, two, three, four, five, six, and they get stuck on step three and they can't, you know, they can't see the forest beyond the trees to, you know, how to fix it and move on to number four. It's like, dude, like, what are we doing here? Right. And then, you know, like you end up babysitting and untangling you know, like, uh, you know, this process in order to make it work again. And then it becomes a question like, okay, was my procedure wrong? 
Was it too detailed? Was it, uh, you know, is it too set in stone? Was it too rigid? Or did the person that was performing it really not have the, you know, have the mind expansion, you know, I'm, I'm being dramatic here, you know, to, <laughs> to really go and tackle the task, right? How does that look in your world? You know, like when you're helping to match up, because it's one thing to have the operation in place, right? It's another thing to have good people there to execute it. How does that look? Right. And it's funny that you mentioned that because my first two clients were on exact opposite ends of the spectrum. I had a client who had processes and procedures that were incredibly detailed and you and she expected you to check the she expected the employees to check box everything as they went along. So like every 30 seconds in their workday, they were supposed to check a box. And that was really demotivating for the employees. They had the impression that she didn't trust them to do the job. It didn't offer them an opportunity to make any decisions about anything. They were just functioning as robots and um, she had very high turnover and it was very difficult for her to let go of uh, sort of the control of that structured of a processes and procedures. We brought in different team members, different uh, higher skill level team members that could work with more latitude and make decisions. And then she didn't feel like she had to have things that were quite so structured. Uh, my other client was the exact opposite. He had no processes and procedures in place. He had some really good people, but there was no communication between groups. Everybody was sort of functioning in silos. So there was no clear handoff from one department to the next, who was responsible for making decisions. Um, you know, when did we escalate it to a higher level? And so uh, he is a great, very creative thinker and um, prides himself on that. And he's very, very talented. And he doesn't like set processes and procedures, whereas my first client loved them. He didn't really like them. And um, so we have processes and procedures in place that are commonly understood. And he got really comfortable with that, that there were processes and procedures and he needed to follow them as well as the other team members. And now we're going back in and having those team members document the processes and procedures, both in writing and in video. So you really have to adjust the need for processes and procedures based on the organization and the personality style. But you really will not grow if you don't have established processes and procedures. You know, I go back to the um, uh, to the movie, and of course, at this moment, the name escapes me. It's the story of Ray Kroc, you know, the one who created McDonald's. Right. And basically what they were talking about, you know, there was this big part of the movie where they were outlining, like, okay, this is the process for how you assemble a hamburger, right? And mm -hmm. it be, it is duplicatable, Right. You go to you go to somewhere in Europe and they're doing the exact same thing to assemble, you know, to assemble that. And, you know, if you think back to a time where we didn't where nobody in the restaurant industry really thought about this. Right. You know, because, uh, you know, Ray just uh, he drove across country and he was expecting to wait 15, 20 minutes for his food. And the guy gives it to him 36 seconds later and he's like, hey, wait a second. What is this? Right. I'm not going to be the one who's, uh, you know, like I'm not going to eat this. Right. And they're like, no, it's good. Eat it. You know, it's great. Right. And then when he, when he started unpacking that, it's like it really was a revolution. Right. And, you know, I use that example a lot because, it, you know, it really is the most poignant one because it and it's also one that everyone can relate to. You can get the same hamburger in Miami as you can in Seattle. Right. Or anywhere, almost anywhere across the world. 
Now, when we're talking about, uh, you know, like our businesses, especially when we're working remotely, those processes become all the more important. First of all, you know, like we're dealing with a lot of the same information, right? I have access to Buffer, for example, you know, to use a social media posting app as my team member in India does, right? So it's just a question of showing them how I like to use this product, right? Or how I like to use the service. Now, you talked a little bit about, uh, you know, tailoring that, uh, you know, the SOP to the skill level of the person, you know, who's going to execute on it. Where do you find that happy balance or happy equilibrium of, uh, you, you know, like having those two matched, like you have a, a significantly documented process with a significantly trained person in order to execute on it. How does that look? Well, what I first try to do, of course, is establish the process and then train the individuals in the process, because when you're training individuals in the process, you're testing your theories about the process and you can adjust the process. Maybe you thought, you know, A was going to work out and you found out that B was going to work out. Uh, It's probably not a good idea to develop and document the processes first and then go try to train people in it because you're going to end up doing a lot of rework. So if you train people, adjust your processes and procedures a Along the way. And then when you get to the end, what I usually explain to team members is that I would like a process to be documented in writing and on video, and I want it to pass the stupid test. And I tell them that the stupid test is if the client was going to call me late Friday night at 10 o'clock and ask me to do this task, could I access this documentation and video with no background in their functional area or minimal background in their functional area? Could I complete the task? And that seems to really work for people telling them it needs to pass the stupid test because it makes them think of things to include in the documentation that they wouldn't include for a coworker or they wouldn't necessarily include for themselves, but they include it because they think someone outside the function or outside that job description is going to have to do it. And I think that um, that's a really good approach that any company really of any organization can adopt is our processes and procedures need to pass a stupid test. That's, that's really funny that you, you know, that you bring that up because it really, and the way you word it is so, you know, is very careful and very, very tactile because you don't want to call them stupid. Right. And I, I vehemently believe that they are not, that I am not hiring virtual assistants all the time. I'm hiring virtual specialists. Right. I'm so I don't I don't look for I don't expect any of my specialists to be a specialist in multiple areas. My audio editor is great at audio editing. I do not ask her to do graphic design. I don't ask the graphic designer to write uh, to write code. I don't ask her to write uh, write blog posts. I don't even ask the social media writer to write blog posts. Right. Long form versus short form, simply because I want people to work and execute within their zone of genius. Right. What kind of tool, what kind of tool? If I might, Jeff, I might just jump right in there. Um, That is the hallmark of a great leader. 
hiring people to work within their zone of genius. And and the reason why that's a hallmark of a great leader is two things. Number one, um, it's great that you're recognizing their zone of genius and understanding that you will move your business forward faster if you encourage them to spend 80 to 90% of their time in their zone of genius. And, and number two, it shows that you're thinking of the people. We all are happier in our jobs and more productive and just get more personal fulfillment when we're working within our zone of genius. And I think, unfortunately, especially with virtual team members, if especially if you're working with, um, you know, contractors or offshore virtual team members, a lot of people approach it as I'm just getting cheap labor. And I I really have to commend you for approaching it in such a nice, strong leadership way that is working for your business, as well as providing your virtual assistants and your team members with something that is personally and professionally fulfilling. Thank you. Thank you for that. You know, that was one of the things that um, when I was when I was up and coming, I made it a point not only to try to recognize that, but um, I took it a couple of steps further. You know, pre-COVID, I used to travel to these places where they work. And I managed to hit about 90% of the people that I, uh, you know, that I worked with, visit them in country, take them out for lunch or for dinner, right? Get to, you know, get to experience their culture and things like that. And let me tell you the ones that I've done that with, oh my God, like, you know, like they're still around, you know, they're still there. They're still part of the family and it just creates this really great relationship. So definitely I would recommend any entrepreneur that if you have the opportunity and you're working with um, specialists in Argentina or the Philippines or in India or wherever, uh, make it a trip. And yes, it is a business trip. It is not a personal trip, right? So you put it on that business card and you definitely soak in all of that because you will have a much better it, you know, enrich your experience by working with them once you've seen them face to face instead of this four inch square that you have on your screen. Right. And it really validates them and their partnership with you. Exactly. Exactly. What kind of tools do you use to help uh, to help companies, you know, create these procedures and to create the and to create the environment where everyone knows what they're doing and they're able to function as a team cohesively? Well, I tend to use two different resources for tools. Of course, I have access to the EOS resources, which is a structured program that many people like to put in place in their organization. And though, uh, the program has templates for meetings, uh, quarterly meetings, weekly meetings, department meetings, larger organization meetings. And those things are very helpful. They also have um, uh, documentation to help you select Uh, 90-day goals, which is very, very helpful. And then um, for clients who prefer a less structured approach, I also have templates that I've created. I find that most entrepreneurs and small businesses do not want to prepare a 15-page strategic plan. So I have a one-page strategic plan template that really does a great job of keeping leadership focused on the right tasks, and then also communicating to the team members what the tasks are. Sometimes it's hard for team members to understand why leadership is making certain decisions or emphasizing things if they don't really understand what the quarterly goals or perhaps the annual goals are. And I find that by communicating that down within the organization and getting that buy-in, you get less pushback when you're trying to implement new things. I also have job descriptions, you know, uh, I've got all these things created already, templates for standard operating procedures, uh, job descriptions, all 
already written that maybe you just need to tweak a little bit. I've got all those kinds of things already developed so that when I'm working with a client, we just tweak it and customize it to them and we're ready to roll it out. Amazing. You know, one of the things that we talked a little bit about, I want to, I want to digress a little bit in the pre-call was that you are a certified EOS integrator, right? That, uh, you know, you worked, uh, you worked closely in order to achieve that, uh, credential with, uh, with the, with the Gino Wickman, you know, book, you know, traction. Uh, can you please talk a little bit about that and why, why you feel that is so important and why you decided to move on, you know, with that modality as opposed to others? You know, it's really interesting because when you look on the face of the content interaction or the book Rocket Fuel, which is sort of a, a partner to that book, it looks like it's about processes and procedures that you're implementing in your company. And that's what it appears to be on the surface. And that's certainly the activities that it's taking you through. But because of the philosophy behind it and the approach and the things that you're supposed to include in your 90 day goals or include in your weekly or monthly meetings, because of that list, they give you a list of things that you have to talk about at every meeting. And the key that really sets EOS apart is that list of things that you're supposed to talk about and those 90 day goals, the way they set them, because it looks like you're teaching your organization processes and procedures, but what you're really doing is teaching leadership, proactive leadership and proactive communication so that everybody's headed in the right direction. Everybody's feeling good about their jobs. It also teaches you not to procrastinate when there's a problem or an issue, especially with people or processes. Generally speaking, almost any problem in any business can be um, traced to uh, the wrong person in perhaps the right job or just the wrong job um, or a breakdown in process, a breakdown in communication. And what I really love about EOS is it looks like it's about processes and procedures, but it's really about leadership and communication. Amazing. Thank you so much for breaking that down. I really appreciate it. Valerie, where can people find you? How can they learn more about you and find you online? Well, online, I have a website, ValerieHayes.com. It's Valerie, V-A-L-E-R-I-E, Hayes, H-A-Y-E-S. I guess the H-A-Y-S version is like Scottish and the E-S is Irish. So we need the Irish version. And I'm also on LinkedIn, Valerie M. Hayes, and on Instagram, Valerie M. Hayes. I'd love for people to connect. I really, uh, I really want to hear from people what they're struggling with what they're challenged by so that I can create resources to help them. I think that a lot of people, um, especially now that we're going into the recession, unfortunately, um, a lot of people really want to know how to run their business well, because how you run your business is what actually creates your business. Exactly. You know, that's so poignant in that, uh, you know, a lot of people think that they do have, you know, like a business that they're running. Right. And, you know, I kind of, you know, I have this dark joke where it's no, it's not a business. It's a job, right? It's a, you created a job for yourself and, right. you know, I'm sure a lot of people have heard this before. What does job stand for? It stands for just over broke. And, you know, if you read, uh, if you read the e-myth, you know, they talk about the difference between managers and, and, and technical people where they're just like, well, I can create a website. I'm going to create a business on how to create a website. Right. And then they're not really managing, you know, the whole points of how to scale and, you know, make all the other things happen, which are, of course, are needed skills when you're running a business as opposed to creating 
a job for yourself. So I really appreciate you taking the time to break that down. It's been an amazing discussion. Valerie, thank you for joining me today. Thanks, Jeff. It was a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for listening to the One Big Tip podcast. If you're a six to eight figure entrepreneur, business coach, or speaker who would like to be on this show, we need to talk. The audience for this podcast is hungry for experts and professionals who want to share their knowledge with this world. So if you're ready to share your actionable and measurable One Big Tip, please go to onebigtip.com slash guest and let's get your story out there. I am also crazy excited to announce my new Agents of Pod coaching program. With this program, I show busy entrepreneurs the strategies that I use to have warm conversations with my dream clients, keep my calendar book solid, and consistently have potential clients at the ready, all anxiously waiting to speak with me every single week. Head on over to agentsofpod.com slash hero and let me show you how to be the superhero in your business today. Lastly, I have a huge ask for you. Could you please share this with your audience on social media? The stories and connections that I make on this podcast have helped thousands of people, sometimes in the most profound ways. And you never know if your small action today will be the one that kickstarts your friend, a family member, or even yourself into taking massive action and starting the next multi-million dollar business. It'll be your way of just paying it forward. My name is Jeff Mendelson. You can find me on all the major social channels like LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook. Thank you so much for listening.